Hi, this is Greg Anderson, and this is the Living in Carver County podcast. Our podcast is designed to talk to people who are uh, either through their work or through their voca- you know, through their um, volunteer activities or service organizations that are making a difference in our community and making Carver County the best place to live, work, and raise a family. Today, I am sitting in the in a meeting room at the City Hall of Chaska, and I'm with Jessica Bartholomew with ACT United. Jessica, thank you for uh, agreeing to meet with us, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. So before we get rolling too far, maybe just tell people a little bit about your story. What's your background, and how is it that you came to... Um, uh, well, I'm going to say I was going to say be at Act United, but you actually started it. So yeah, so maybe t- share a little bit about your story. Yeah, well, um, I grew up in Minneapolis, so was an inner city kid, and slowly we made our way out to the suburbs to Eden Prairie and um, got married. Came out to Chaska. So I'm married, I have three girls, and we all live here in Chaska. And I have two kids that are still in this district. Uh, Well, one's at a charter school, one is in our Chaska school district, and the other one is a graduate of Chaska High School. And she's actually a preschool teacher here in Chaska and also a volunteer with ACT United. Um, Leading up to ACT United, I have 25 years of experience working with teens and children and families in different capacities, uh, inner city as well as the suburbs, uh, in youth ministry, youth outreach, also interned and then worked for a few years, a number of years, with Treehouse, which is another local mm-hmm. uh, nonprofit here. I actually started at the location in New Hope when I was in college in the 90s, mid-90s, and then got transferred <coughs> as staff out to Chaska. And that was where I first um, came to the community of Chaska, actually. Okay. Did was, you work with Jim and Lynn then at that time, or were they there? Or did you overlap? Yeah, I did overlap with uh, Jim Jackson, mm-hmm. and then, of course, know his wife, Lynn. Um, so working with teens and kids in different ways. And then was a police officer with the Minneapolis Police Department for 12 years. And six of those years I spent in different undercover units doing different undercover operations. Started in narcotics and my undercover work in narcotics soon found its way overlapping with human trafficking because human trafficking and drugs are a 100% overlap. So I, my career went more into those exploitation crimes against our children and teens in every community around Minnesota. And that was how I got my first case um, as a police officer with human trafficking here in our state. Um, that wasn't my first exposure, however, to human trafficking. Growing up in the city, I was exposed to it at different levels. Um, We didn't call it human trafficking, um, you know, in the 70s and the 80s or even in the 90s. That's a new word for everybody to understand, but that is the name of the crime. And when I was in high school, 
Um, I was 16 years old when uh, me and a friend, we were out and we were just hanging out doing what 16 year olds do. Mm-hmm. And we were actually from a very affluent neighborhood and community in Minnesota and went to a very affluent school, high school. And But hanging out on a Friday night, we met a couple of guys and that was the last time I ever saw her. Oh my gosh. And at 16 years old, from a very affluent community, we both had our uh, two parents in the home. We had great homes. We had, uh, we were financially in the middle to upper middle class. Um, and yet trafficking has its reach across all our communities. And that was the last night I had seen her uh, when she was 16 years old. And I would see her about three or four months later. She came back into my life to contact me to say hi. And she was a very different person. And she didn't want to share or disclose too much for her safety. But I did become aware that she had been moved from um, our community to New York, where she was exploited and put into teen sex trafficking in New York for the last three months Mm. and then returned to Minnesota. So it's really a long... She was rescued or not to spend too much time on her, but specifically, but how how is that? I mean... She was eventually um, let out of sex trafficking as a young adult. So it actually did consume the rest of her teen years and early Mm. adult life Um, and then was released... um, or let go, meaning um, you don't disappear out of sight. You're always a part of the community, but the control and the mental control that is involved in trafficking, um, her trafficker, her exploiter, decided that she was no longer of a significant financial value and did not pursue her uh, for work anymore. So that's how she got mm. um let go and no longer involved later as an adult. Okay. So quite a history of understanding this topic uh, myself. And so this at this point when so you went you were with the Minneapolis Police Department and then what was the motivation for leaving the police department and it it was it act the next step then from no longer working with Minneapolis PD then? Yeah, it was a pretty quick transition that I didn't know was coming, actually. So in 2014, I decided to take an early retirement. Uh, My husband is also a Minneapolis police officer. So having two cops in the house can be quite the schedule uh, on the family. So we had made the decision, I would take an early retirement, stay home with our two kids that we still had in the house that were young. Mm And I really thought that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom now. So I learned how (laughs) to... Best laid plans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I discovered that there's clothes that aren't a uniform and uh, and was really enjoying actually being a stay-at-home mom for about uh, eight to ten months, um, as long as I got. And... I actually got a phone call from a former partner of mine that I hadn't talked to the whole time of retirement, uh, called me out of the blue one morning and said, um, essentially this, do you plan on retiring with all that information in your brain? And he was referring to human trafficking investigations and what I knew, what I had seen, 
um, and would I want to come back and help train uh, specifically law enforcement officers? It was his question. Okay. And that was the question that really got me thinking. And the answer was no, I didn't plan on retiring with all that information in my brain. So as a result of that phone call and, and <clears throat> questioning you know, myself, I decided to come back, but I would come back um, doing prevention and outreach and awareness for the community. So in the fall of 2015, I was going to a local church here in Chaska, and I was talking with my pastors about this, and they gave the idea, why don't you get up on a Sunday, uh, take the pulpit for about 10 minutes, and tell people out here in Chaska about human trafficking and how it's actually happening in our community and see if anybody's interested in learning more. So that's exactly what I did is at a, at a small Chaska church. I got up on a Sunday and I told them about one of my largest human trafficking cases that I had had as a police officer and how the youth that were being exploited in that case came from, one of them came from Carver County hmm. and was just a stone's throw from the church. And after talking about the fact that human trafficking is something that is impacting this community as well as every community and county in Minnesota, and asked the question if, if anybody was interested in learning more, but importantly and specifically learning what you can do about it, what is one action step that any individual can take uh, to help end what is happening. Uh, come see me after church and that's exactly what 10 people did so from we started with uh, 10 people <clears throat> learning about the issue learning about what does it look like what can we do about it here in Carver County is where uh, we started and then we grew from there and now it's four and a half years later well and that that was probably right before the Super Bowl where you know the talk of the Super Bowl and typically it's the, my understanding at least from what I've read is these large-scale particularly sporting events tend to be catalysts for additional recruitment and activity is that fair or is that is that I mean is that accurate uh, that's a fair statement um, large sporting events any large events that have a large uh, male population <clears throat> draw are going to increase the market so that is traffickers are then going to bring um, they're going to follow the market for okay. exploitation. So you will see an increase. I just don't think it's as significant as 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 people market it out to be. Okay. I think it's a really good tool for getting people to understand that it does happen everywhere and it gives an opportunity for people to really spread awareness about the issue. But the sex trafficking of children and teens happens every day in every county of Minnesota. In 2016, the Minnesota Judicial Branch issued a statement, which those of us on the front lines already knew, but we got an official type statement. Um, from confirmation. The confirmation of what we were already seeing on the front lines. <coughs> in 2016, they said, we have now seen cases of sex trafficking in our courts of every county of Minnesota. Hmm. I, and I think there's a tendency, particularly here in Carver County, to think we're somewhat isolated from these. People think of these as either urban problems you mentioned before when you were talking about your friend, you know, right. that it's, a, it, it's sometimes a problem of affluence or 
not having a parent or and so and I think for a lot of people particularly here um, that's terrifying uh, yeah. you know because there's yeah. that tendency you know and I think it's probably the same thing with substance abuse you know well that doesn't happen here or we're not we're not we don't have to worry about that because we live in you know a B or C uh, so maybe talk a little bit about that and and you mentioned the, uh, the the call to get the 10 people to come to talk to you after church was yeah. the one thing that you can do to help prevent that so obviously we want to cover that kind of thing but part of the reason I wanted to come and talk to you was that even though the nature of this podcast tends to be a little more uh, a light <laughs> uh, with respect to you know what's happening in the community I think it's important that we try to shed light on all the things that are happening in the community mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just to be to give an accurate account, but also yeah. to help um, from a prevention standpoint. So, so I, we'll come back to that. But I want to also figure out how did so you started. It started from the church. You know, ten people coming after church. Where did you go? What what caused the start of an actual organization and having and staffing up and those kinds of things? What did that evolution look like? Yeah. Well, we. We got a church to donate space uh, January 2015, and without any marketing, we opened up the doors for a juvenile sex trafficking awareness to action okay. conference uh, for an hour and a half, um, and we had 60 people in our area representing about 15 different churches and different businesses as well as just family members, moms and dads and grandparents saying, uh, maybe we do need to learn a little bit more about this issue. And when we first of all saw the response without any marketing uh, that we uh, filled half the sanctuary, and when we saw that there was still a, a, a great disconnect or divide between what juvenile exploitation and trafficking actually is Mm -hmm. and what the community believed um, about what it is. There was such a disconnect that we knew we were going to uh, continue bringing awareness and providing that. Now, our biggest thing and what we've always been known for in our annual conferences and anytime we do training, whether it's professional training, which we do provide professional awareness and prevention training. So we have done CEUs and post-license credits for police officers, for nurses and doctors, social work, educators. Um, we have different professional programs, but we also have our annual conference, which is called Community Awareness to Action. Okay. <clears throat> and our next one actually is coming up on February 15th, 2020, and it'll be at the Chaska Community Center. It's from 8.30 to 1.30, and we will have two uh, frontline speakers as well as breakout sessions because what we're known for is not just giving you a bunch of information and saying, you know, here's a, here's a very harmful thing that's out there happening in our community, and I'll go home and ponder on that for a while, right? Sure. We want to connect you to tools, to next steps, to a community goal, to a family goal. What are those steps that anybody can take and what are those tools that we need to help kids stay safe in our families and in our communities 
in where we work at school or in social services or even in juvenile justice and corrections. We have a program for kids. So we want to connect people to awareness, to action. Okay. So, or information to solutions. And so the tools are, <clears throat> give it a, give some examples of what those tools would be. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's something you execute through the programs that you offer. Yeah. In addition to this conference. So the conference, I'm assuming that's the 15th is a Saturday, right? Yeah, that's a Saturday. <clears throat> yep. Okay. That's so it. we'll put a link in on the show notes so people can. Yeah, um, that'll be great. I'm assuming they'd sign up on your website. You can go to our website, uh, actunited.org, and there will be a link on the events page. Or you can go into eventbrite.com, and you can search for the words Right Now is the name right of now. our conference in Chaska. Yep, Right okay. Now Chaska, and register that way. Okay, So we'll, and we'll put those in the notes. Yeah. So, nice. but tools, you mentioned that, you know, giving people the tools so they're not just like terrified of yeah. this as a potentiality and then, like you said, go home and noodle it. But Right. We need to know. be aware, but not paranoid. I mean, the majority of this is going to be prevented. Our model is prevention education. So this doesn't have to happen, but we need accurate information to have effective solutions. Otherwise, we're teaching our kids to do things that have no impact or no effect on staying safe uh, from exploitation or trafficking. For example, the number one myth that still exists in our community and many other places is that trafficking starts with kidnapping. And if you make the association between sex trafficking and kidnapping, you're going to say that's not happening in Carver County mm -hmm. because we don't have kids disappearing <clears throat> and being kidnapped. Yeah, anybody who's watched Taken, I think, is, thinks that's probably the scenario. Right. right? <laughs> so I'll right. So good movie. <clears throat> I'll give it that. You I know, have a special set of skills. <laughs> yeah, right, I know. Right. Like not all you of and us your husband. Not everybody Mason. has skills like you and your husband. <laughs> yes, I might have a few that Liam has, but he had a little bit more from Hollywood. Right. Right. Um, so when we think it's that, we feel a little disconnected from the issue. If kids are just gone and taken, what could I possibly do about it? Right. Well, and as far as prevention goes, and talking to our kids about. About safety we're talking about not getting kidnapped or watching yourself walking on the street now should you talk about that absolutely be careful everywhere you go right but when it comes to sexual exploitation and trafficking against kids and against teenagers relationships are the number one pathway into these forms of exploitation relationships so what do you mean by relationships give me an example so like. predators and traffickers will begin by building a relationship with a young person the majority of young people will meet their trafficker online so it isn't about don't go to the mall don't go to Minneapolis don't go to that person's house it is no longer an issue of geography when children have a cell phone that gives them access to Google and to look up and to talk to anyone anywhere in the world. Well, what's the reverse? Anyone in the world now has access to talk to that child or that teenager as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, the majority will meet their trafficker online. What do traffickers or predators look for? They're looking for particular vulnerabilities. They're looking for kids that are willing or interested in talking to them. Um, they're looking for um, re, uh, certain demographics that maybe that particular predator's looking for. And then it starts with a friend request. 
It starts with communicating, talking uh, over an app, over social media. <clears throat> Parents will say, what is the uh, most dangerous app or social media platform out there? And my answer always is, whatever the kids are on today. Because just like when all of us, you know, over 30 got on Facebook, they all got off. Right. So they went somewhere else. So whatever is the most popular with youth is going to be the most popular with somebody that is targeting youth. So they'll build relationship online. And then through that relationship, enough trust, um, enough liking, enough um, confidence in this person is built that they will meet them in person. Kids are also being exploited online as well and never meeting the predator in person. Um, but you jump up photography and snapping pictures and that kind of stuff, or yeah. So the two crimes that we uh, deal with at Act United is sex torsion and sex trafficking. Those are the fastest growing crimes against people under the age of eighteen. So what's sex? What is sex torsion? So sex torsion <laughs> we know better as sexting, which is send, making and sending sexually explicit photos and videos online or through text message on our phones. Um, sex torsion is the crime when that person receives that first photo or video from a young person that is explicit and embarrassing. Um, that person now has collateral or that first leverage to yeah that first leverage that behavior. first collateral that first control over that young person and then they are extorted for one of three reasons um, now that i have control of this image of you there's coercion and and or threats that you will either send me more explicit photos and videos or else or you will send me money um, or else and you will meet me in person or else those are the three reasons that we see predators getting sexually explicit photos and videos from young people now what's the or else the or else is I will show this to other people I will share this photo and this video online. I will blast it all over your social media. And then your grandma and your parents and your friends are going to see it. Sometimes those getting material are friends or peers at school. And it's keep sending me more or else I am going to show everybody on the team. Hmm. Or I'm going to print it and you know hang it up around school or in the locker room. And so you're saying these could be peers that are doing the same type of leverage. Yeah, with sextortion, we see two types of people. One is the people that they already know in their life, peers, boyfriends, girlfriends, that are saying, hey, send me a photo, everybody's doing it, if you really liked me, you would, and even peer pressure. Um, in a very uh, sexually cultured, age that we live in you know hey everybody's doing it this is how we flirt and then you give away that one piece of control hmm. into somebody else's hands um, and then the second offender or person we see doing it is the online relationship and the majority some will say exactly who they are um, hey I'm 50 years old and I live in Wisconsin and I want to be your friend on social media and they start a conversation and ask for explicit photos and it works but the majority are setting mm. up fake accounts <clears throat> so the one thing we say to kids all the time is if you don't know them in real life 
you don't know them at all. Because it takes me about 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, I could become anybody I wanted to be online undercover. You know, within, I'm in my 40s, I'm a female, I'm a mom, I'm, I, I live out here. Within 10 minutes, I can be a high school boy online and you would never know. Mm-hmm. And I'd have photos uh, to back it up and a profile photo that would back it up. So we always let kids know if you don't know them in real life, you don't know who they are. Because that's the second uh, type of person that's um, soliciting for these kind of photos. So between sextortion and sex trafficking, uh, those are the fastest growing crimes targeting people under the age of 18. Okay. And that is happening here in Carver Carver. County as well as Yeah, I think, like I said, there's a tendency for people to think this is not a Carver County issue. But clearly that would be wrong. That would be wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what are the other tools that Act United uses? I mean, you. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you? What else do you do? You've got your um, community awareness event coming up, and uh, but you know, on an ongoing basis, you mentioned you work with educators, you work with police officers, and you said professional education. What else are you doing? Um. Well, we have a couple of different things that we do. Our mission is to unite communities together in awareness, prayer, and prevention. Um, And everything we do is within that model of prevention because you don't end something by responding to it. It's already happened. Mm -hmm. We're only going to end this by getting ahead of it in prevention. So we have our different prevention programs we talked about for professionals. you know the educators the law enforcement nurses because there's specific signs that you can see depending upon uh, your profession we also do awareness and prevention classes for parents and caregivers and foster parents and grandparents um, helping them to understand what is happening online what are the best kind of conversations to have with your teens um, and tools for um, filters and those kind of things that you can put on your Wi-Fi and on your devices. But really, the the key to prevention from parents to young people, uh, the biggest tool that you already have and own is your time and your love and your care. Because kids that um, don't have those emotional needs aren't going to be looking for them to be filled online. So really quality time and love and open communication are the best tools parents and grandparents can have with their kids to prevent these types of crimes from happening. Okay. So talk about signs. I, I, I want to come, we'll come back to this. I mean, obviously, if, if your needs are being met, you don't have to go elsewhere to get your needs met. And predators and, don't notice right, yep, right. that you have needs. And so signs you mentioned signs and I want I didn't want to get too far away from sure. that because so get, get you know like if you're a, as a parent or just a person in the community or just somebody who's thinks that this is abhorrent what what would I be looking what should I be looking for yeah if you're a parent a grandparent um, and somewhat for teachers as well if you are in a relationship with a kid that you're gonna have constant, uh, overtime contact with so you can notice a difference right okay. you'll notice things like a, a sudden change in behavior a sudden change in appearance usually more uh, sexualized like maybe starting to wear makeup or more makeup uh, new clothes or new shoes things that um, 
new uh, expensive haircuts, getting nails done. And this is even for our young men too, like new tennis shoes and new clothes and new haircuts, things that are inconsistent with their financial means or show a sudden uh, change in financial means. Kind of and you know this child's 14 and they didn't just go get their new a, a new job, right? This isn't them <clears throat> splurging on their first paycheck, but it's inconsistent with their financial means or what their norm is. Okay. So somebody gets kind of out of step with sort of the pattern they're on. Like I mean, what I'm hearing yeah. is they go from 13 to 18 and, you know, in terms of their look and appearance and clothing and things or, yeah. or and then spending behaviors that are sort of out of line. Those yep. are some good signs to pay attention to. Yeah. And, you know, socially you'll see more isolation. <clears throat> Uh, withdrawal, used to hang out a lot or hang out with friends and now more isolated, more withdrawn. You may see um, some paranoid or anxiety behaviors around a particular relationship or you'll start to see paranoid and anxiety around their cell phone because traffickers have um, a high level of control in one of the ways that they control is rules and conditions over communication so that um, that kid or that teen may be really quick to answer their phone very afraid to let anybody see their phone or to let go of their phone and 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 teens travel with their phones they're never far from right, right. it but seeing an actual <clears throat> paranoia or anxiety around answering the phone quickly or responding to text messages right away. And another indicator would be uh, missing or disappearing for um, lengths of time. Uh, used to not run away, now maybe missing over the weekend or missing for a day even and you don't know where they were um, or has run away from home before but now it's becoming a chronic concern or behavior in the family or from school because remember these kids are not kidnapped they are not gone they're not taken they're here in the community and the captivity is not physical it is very much mental hmm. it is that fear <clears throat> and the threats and the violence that is keeping their silence and keeping that control so they're still going to school, they're still going to church, at least for a while, still going to school, still going to church, still coming back home, but we'll have this chronic pattern of being missing or run away or gone uh, for lengths of time, unaccounted okay. for. Okay, so short of that, it, where it's a, maybe a little less dramatic, uh, the other thing that you had mentioned is, is conversations. So how would someone initiate a conversation that's not like, uh, yeah, are you being trafficked? You know, right, I'm guessing right. it's probably not an effective uh, to go right at it that way. I mean, right, or, or maybe true. it is. I guess that's what I'm looking for. Defer to your ex your expertise on this. So if, if you saw, if a parent saw a sudden change or started to notice the behaviors that you just uh, discussed, how do you start? How, what does that look like? I mean, you, you know, how do you bridge that? You know, I, I want to know, but I don't want to push them away. Be, you know, yeah. having th raised three kids myself, there's a there's a time period where, you know, fine you know, is the operative right, answer right. And, and things. So, so yeah. what does that look like? I mean, how, how would you initiate that type of conversation? Yeah. Well, first, I always encourage parents that, you know, your kids. 
you know, you do know your kids and you do notice these differences and these discrepancies and these changes. And so trust your gut and talk to your um, kid in the way you always would, except um, make sure that it's an open communication. Uh, make sure it's without judgment. It's without, you know, trying to figure out what's the right and wrong going on here, but more help me understand how I can help you or help me understand what is going on because you're very important to me. Um, remember that the trafficker or somebody exploiting them or abusing them has high levels of control, has a lot of um, discouraging words and downwards, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not encouraging words for them, a lot of um, negative statements about them, a lot of pressure and a lot of control. And so anything that is gonna look like that is not gonna go over well. Uh, uh, so rather than looking for the right and the wrong or what are you doing that um, I should be aware of, it's more I'm noticing and I care about you and I'm noticing there's some changes and I'm concerned. Um, you know, what's, is there something new at school? Is there a new uh, relationship? Um, how can I help you? And it's different for a parent mm -hmm. because we wanna get to the bottom of it because we care and we want a solution. Right, and you wanna fix it. It's... We wanna fix it, exactly. We wanna know exactly what it is so that <clears throat> we can fix it right away. Um, and this is gonna take some patience and some open communication and to make sure that it's very clear that this isn't about right or wrong so that there's either a consequence or not, but this is about, I, I can tell there's a situation and I wanna help you through this situation in a way that is gonna be good for you. Or moving towards wellness as yep, opposed we wanna, to a, yeah. a disciplined event. This is exactly this isn't a discipline event. This is a how can I help you move toward um, health, wholeness, feeling better, getting better, um, and having the conversation that way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the information that I was looking at on your website, this isn't just necessarily a, a, a daughter problem. That's correct. So yeah. maybe speak to that a little bit too. Yeah. I'm. I'm very happy that you brought that up, actually. When we started, there was a couple of things that were missing from the anti-trafficking movement in our state and pretty much in our nation. And one of those things was nobody was talking, in 2014-15, nobody was talking about uh, young men and boys. Um, and young men, uh, boys under the age of 18, are 36% of trafficked minors in the United States are boys. That high? It's that high, and that's just the ones that we know of. Those are just the ones that have come forward um, and disclosed <laughs> their situation. So we don't know truly how many percentage, you know, wise or statistically. So to have already be at 36% um, is a pretty significant number. We know that one in six males uh, will experience a sexually sexual abuse or an experience that is confusing or unwanted sexually before the age of 18. We know that 50% of kids in child pornography are males. So sexual, as well as sextortion, 
actually too, being solicited for photos or videos online, uh, thinking that um, you're talking to maybe a young lady at a different high school somewhere, and it turns out that it's actually a sexual predator who's, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, um, and sending material to him. 50% of victims of sex torsion are boys, are high, uh, high school or younger. So sexual exploitation happens to all, no gender is exempt. Um, and so helping to have awareness and help and materials and resources available for our young men just as much as our young girls is very important. Um, and that's one of the things that we started to do. We do have a Voice for Male Survivors class. We have a one hour, two hour and a half day so that people can get the facts about the sexual exploitation, sexual abuse of males. What are their gender specific barriers to disclosure? Uh, what makes it more difficult, you know, mm -hmm. for a male to come forward versus a female? And then how do we help normalize that conversation? So there isn't so much fear or judgment or uh, very sadly, unbelief when a well, male comes well, forward. Well, unbelief, but also this sort of idea, you know, some cases that have been in the news lately where, you know, there's commentary, whether it's on a radio station or something, and they're like, oh, what's he complaining about? Lucky exactly. guy. You know, that, right. that sort of stigma of that sort of false sense of um, that this is okay because you're a guy that you should be, you know, proud of right. yourself as opposed to, you know, being a victim. And so, um, so what is the program that you have that is available for for men that have been, or young men that have been gone through this? Is that, you have a, a separate program or what's that called? Yeah, so we have the, what we're calling the Reclaim campaign, uh, which is helping give a voice and telling the stories and stories of hope of male survivors of early childhood sexual trauma. And in our Reclaim campaign, we have started filming male survivors who share their story, but importantly, messages of hope. And each, each man has um, their own story, but also what helped them to come forward and find their path of health and healing. How did they reclaim their life and reclaim their health? And that's why we've called it the Reclaim Campaign. So we have that online on our website. You can check out the Reclaim campaign and our uh, Stories of Hope videos. But we also have a class, a seminar that people can um, schedule with us or book with us. Okay. Um, and what we're doing right now is looking for the financial support and sponsors for this campaign so that we can continue. Oh, nice segue. Though. Oh, I segued. I segued. <laughs> that was running out of time here, but All that right. was actually going to be my next thing. Is Wonderful. For, I mean, this is some heavy stuff. Before we right. started this, Jessica said, well, if, you know, if this gets too heavy and your eyes start to bleed, then you need to hand signal me or something. Yeah. And we're close. Yeah. Yeah. Let's we're close. Segue. We're close, but we have. I, I'm still. I'm still maintaining because yeah. um, this is yeah. this is important stuff. I mean, this is yes. not typical podcast fair um, for uh, you know for community type events, but I think it's it's just important. And so I'm 
I really appreciate you agreeing to do this and and just shedding light on something that people really don't see. So obviously these things are 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 huge. And but how if somebody says, okay, I'm this is this isn't right, you know, I I I, and I want to be involved or I want to help. What how can people engage with you? How do people help you? How do they help you with the mission? I mean, I'm assuming there's some financial issues that you have, uh, requirements and things. What? How else can people engage? Yeah, um, we unite communities together because everybody has one small step they can take. Now, I'm a tactical thinker, right? Maybe from being a cop, I don't know. I'd have done well in the military, but sure. I was never in the military. But I think tactically. And when everybody has their one step that they can take, but we all are taking that one step, it is such an army. It is such a sonic boom, right, when everybody's doing their one thing. So I would encourage people to do their one thing. If you feel like this is an issue that's not okay, children and teens deserve our attention, um, and to and to thrive in our community, go to our website www.actunited.org. Go to our volunteer page. We have different volunteer opportunities where you can use your skills, your talents, your passion for this cause. And um, this doesn't have to be like, what can I do against human trafficking? You have something to contribute to the whole to the movement as a whole. So volunteer. We're also looking for financial sponsors for this year's conference, um, as well as every year financial sponsors help us keep this cost extremely low so that not just the professionals in our community, but a grandmother, a foster care parent, somebody with tighter resources can make it to this training um, or donate so that we can um, continue the reclaim campaign. We also have a exploitation prevention program that is in the high schools, middle schools and in the churches. We have this exploitation program that is helping kids stay safe. And it's a three-step program. It is phenomenal. We've done zero marketing and we've been booked in the schools every year for three years because teacher to teacher, parent to parent, they're seeing the effects and the success of this program in prevention as well as helping to intervene on situations happening right now with our kids in the community. And that has a, our program has a cost, so please sponsor a school. Right now we have a school for pregnant and teen moms, and the teachers are seeing this issue starting to emerge among some of their students, and they wanna do something about it. <clears throat> They're the teachers, we are the presenters in the program. Be the sponsor, sponsor the program. So whether you want to volunteer or donate or learn more about the issue, I would encourage you to go to our website um, and look up the different ways that you can get involved. Terrific. All right, terrific. Thank you again for doing this. I really Thank appreciate you. it. This is important, and and the work you're doing is important. And and uh, so it's it's. Terrific. So thank thank you you. so much. I appreciate you coming in.